welcome everybody to Beyond the Shadows, Mothra Ghost Story and Mike Ricksecker. Tonight we're going to be getting into the topic of uh, hat-wearing shadows, uh, or <laughs> Alina said uh, earlier this evening, hat people. Basically, we are refraining from the particular phrase uh, hat man because it's trademarked. Uh, this, this came about with the whole trademark on shadow people and everything uh, that kind of cropped up and reared his ugly head the other week, which is absolutely nuts. We'll get into that a little bit as we go along. Um, uh, Yari, thank you for joining us. I hope I'm saying the name correctly. Victoria Monday, great to see you as well. And Nicole uh, is tagging everybody in the chat, so thank you very much. So, uh, Victoria, in the biz, that's called a teaser. Okay, so we did a little teaser. Thank you. <laughs> All right, so before we get started, though, this episode of Beyond the Shadows brought to you by a Haunted Road Roast. It helps you hunt ghosts. That's for our good friend Tim Schoen, who was no no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, he would have he would have been jumping in here uh, first for sure. Uh, he always did that with with Edge of the Rabbit Hole. So, uh, yeah, Tom McNicholas, I wear a hat. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Hat-wearing entities, yeah, very uh, interesting, strange phenomena. This comes all about in, you know, of course, my research with Walk in the Shadows, A Complete Guide to Shadow People, which is uh, my latest book, second edition, is now out. Uh, and I've really kind of expanded in on this in a number of ways. Those that are, well, you guys are uh, subscribed to the Connected Universe Portal, ConnectedUniversePortal.com. Um, so I have out there the Mike's morning mug video explaining the other day, the different variations to the second edition of this book and how the latest variation, uh, I added a little bit to the end of the, uh, the hat wearing chapter because I really, what it comes down to, I was putting so much into this extra bit of research that I, I forgot something. And we're going to get into uh, those things this evening. But we'll just start off first with, okay, what, what, are, these, what are these hat-wearing shadows? You know, these things that people report coming into their rooms in the middle of the night and scaring them to death. What exactly are they? So this is, uh, those listening to the podcast later, you won't see this. But for, for those watching the Beyond the Shadows live stream here... Uh, this depiction is what people usually think of of these hat shadows, these hat-wearing shadows, or the man with the hat, as our friend Sam Baltrusis would say. It, Tom McNicholas says the second edition on Kindle finally changed the cover. Good, good. I'm glad. I mean, slowly rolling out, I guess, but I'm glad they finally changed the cover. So this is what people usually think of uh, you know, the man with the hat, that he walks in, uh, through the bedroom door or shows up at the end of the bed uh, or standing in the corner wearing the hat um, and, you know, he'll strike fear into you. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think that they're an energy vampire, that they'll stand there, strike fear into you, and then uh, feed off of that fear. Of course, anybody, you know, this d depiction here is of a child. child wakes up in the middle of the night, sees a a man standing there wearing a hat, he's naturally going to be frightened, as uh, I I would think most people would be. I know when I had my first uh, shadow entity encounter, 
you know, I was eight years old at the time. I woke up in the middle of the night, saw this uh, shadow figure standing in the corner. And the first thing in my mind was that it was an intruder. You know, this is somebody that is either here to rob the house or most likely somebody here to kill me. That's about what you think at eight years old. Strange you know, person. You can't see any details. Everything's dark. Uh, you know, they're going to kill me. And that's what you think. So, you know, I was very frightened. I tried to scream. Nothing came out for those that aren't familiar with the story. Uh, then did something very, very unusual, which it you know, actually did come up to my bed, leaned over. I'm looking into its face. No eyes, no nose, no mouth, nothing. Grabbed me by the wrist, crossed my arm across my body, and then ran off down the hall. Finally found my voice, found my legs, ran off to my parents' bedroom, told them about what happened. They, you know, consoled me. They were good parents. And, you know, they just tried to tell me it was a bad dream, but I had been awake for this whole time. Now, that particular one uh, was not wearing the hat, like a lot of people report. And uh, you know, this, this hat-wearing entity, this man with a hat, uh, usually he is reported as basically one of these what we call a humanoid figure type of shadow, but just wearing the hat. There's a lot of different style hats that they'll wear too. And that's like a big question. Why do they wear the different style hats? What's, what's with it? So in this depiction here, we see the use of the fedora. This is a very common motif for these, these hat entities that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll wear the fedora, Sometimes you can see the outline of a trench coat. Now, you don't really see any details, but it seems to be that style hat. Uh, you'll hear about like the wide-brimmed hat, like, you know, almost like Zorro. Uh, I've heard one account of an archer-style hat, like something out of Robin Hood. Uh, our friend Tanya Sargissian, uh, who frequents the Edge of the Rabbit Hole show, uh, shared a story in A Walk in the Shadows with this hat-wearing entity, this hat-wearing shadow, man with the hat, uh, that is wearing a top hat and also had a cape. And she uh, saw this in a, a particular house that uh, she was living in that at one point, and she didn't know this until later, was known as One-Eyed Jack's Mortuary. I mean, that's, that's quite a name. <laughs> Could you imagine? You know, the name of the mortuary is One-Eyed Jack's. <laughs> you know, it's a little... It's a little unusual. Um, it's you know, very creepy and macabre in that, other than that, the fact that it's also a mortuary on top of it, One-Eyed Jack's mortuary. So they, they ended up wondering, was this One-Eyed Jack come back? Uh, but, but again, you know, just a shadow wearing a top hat with a cape. So why are they wearing the different clothing? You know, what, what, is the, uh, what are the ideas behind that? Uh, and Sarah Yusuf, you know, and there it is right there. Sarah Yusuf asking, when did the fashion of the hat clue into the time period that the entity is drawing information from? Uh, and that very well uh, could be. And Sarah Jane asking above, is it always a hat with a brim? Uh, our Fez is not considered scary, <laughs> respectfully joking. Um, yeah, you know, then there are, again, there are a lot of different style hats, you know, whether it's the wide brim, the fedora, um, you know, the, the top hat, those are, those are kind of, those three are really the most commonly reported. And there's some other styles that, that might get thrown into the mix a little bit. Uh, so, you know, a, a lot of the, the concepts and ideas behind the hat, when trying to just figure out, okay, why are they wearing the different hat? Uh, whether it's they're identifying with that or, you know, are they, uh, you know, drawing upon 
you know, some familiarity that they've had with interaction with humans before. And that was the time frame that maybe they had previously interacted with humanity. You know, a lot of people believe, and I for one believe, that a quote-unquote true shadow person is an interdimensional being. So if they're traveling in and out of different dimensions, they're coming from different time and space at that point. So the last time that they would have interacted with humanity, even if it's, you know, perhaps a few weeks for them, and, you know, millennia for us or at least centuries, you know, perhaps they're coming back. Well, the last time that I saw humans, they were wearing these different style hats. So I'm going to try that on. Uh, there are a lot of ideas about, you know, some of these uh, hat-wearing entities possibly being Jinn, uh, uh, DG, D-J-I-N-N, which is basically a um, Arabic type of uh, legend, folklore, you know, entity. Basically, you think of the genie, right? You know, from from Aladdin, uh, that would basically be a jinn. Sometimes with the wishes, sometimes not, but that's where this, you know, the story uh, originates. And they're generally considered a, you know, trickster type entity. Sometimes they'll do something good for you, and sometimes, yeah, maybe not so much. But a lot of times they'll uh, they'll play tricks on you as well. So one of the ideas, and this was. Um, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who passed away a couple of years ago, had done a lot of research on jinn. So one of her ideas was that, you know, some of these, you know, hat-wearing shadow entities that that we see and we witness may actually be, you know, jinn coming into today's age and playing some sort of trick. Now, my belief on the jinn is that they're an, they're another term, you know, like a localized term for a lot of this type of uh, activity that we are witnessing across the world. Each culture uh, in each country reports this activity, and they've been doing this for thousands of years. This isn't anything new. And so when you look into the history of other cultures around the world, you'll see that they have these same stories through all time. Now, they call them something different, and there'll be other... Uh, you know, legends and folklore behind it. So you'll see some some different variations of it. Um, and again, a different name, but they're really all describing very, very similar activity. And so Jen might be one of them. But then it calls the question, okay, so if they're wearing the hat to trick us, why? And again, it could come back to they're not as familiar with, you know, more more modern times, and they're referring back to something that they had previously seen you know, in order to, you know, give us some sort of reference. Now, another idea, of course, that, you know, we're, we could be looking at somebody or something, you know, out of time that we're looking at an, an entity, almost like a time slip that we are witnessing somebody or something that is several decades, maybe even a hundred years ago in the past. And, we see a lot of accounts of this where we'll look at an apparition, you know, a woman from a Victorian era, and she's, you know, wearing the dress and everything, and you're like, whoa, okay, we're, you know, we're witnessing a ghost, we're witnessing an apparition. But then that apparition turns and looks at you as if you're the ghost. And, of course, that doesn't always happen, but sometimes it does. So that's a moment there where we are looking at the past, and then they would actually be looking at the future. So... If that happens for apparitions, 
Could it also possibly happen with shadows? And I've, I've been talking a lot in you know, recent years about you know, personal resonance and you know, why do some people see shadows and why do some people see apparitions? Well, I believe it has to do with your personal resonance. I see more shadows than apparitions. Other people see more apparitions than shadows. Uh, so as we are witnessing some of these shadows, it could just be people from another era not able to fully manifest as that apparition, and they just come off as a shadow. And perhaps, and however they are dressed, you know, they happen to be wearing a hat from the era that they, that they are living in. And we're actually looking at not necessarily a, a, a ghost, although we could be as well, um, but we are actually seeing a person who is living back at that time in that moment, but we're having a bit of a time slip right here. So let me see if you guys have any questions. Um, serious question, Sarah Jane. Uh, shadow people are seen across the world. Different hats. Good question. Yeah, that is a good question. So, uh, yeah, so different hats are seen uh, all over the world. And, you know, it's... Given the modern history of uh, shadow entities, you know, there are some people, and I've had this question thrown at me, uh, you know, well, you know, aren't these you know, shadow entities, don't they have a you know, uh, Native American descent? You know, aren't, aren't they rooted in Native American history? Uh, be, all going back to a, uh, an interview that, well, basically a show that Art Bell was, was running uh, some years ago now, almost 20 years, and a Native American uh, elder had called in with this story of, of shadow entities. And so I've had people come to me uh, and have basically you know, asked, well, aren't these just you know, Native American spirits? And it's like, well, shadow peoples are seen all over the world. Um, you know, they're, they're seen, you know, in Europe, they're seen in Australia, they're seen in the Middle East, and they have been for millennia. Uh, so, yeah, there are different hats associated with different entities or different shadows across the world. I don't think anybody's really put together a well-documented study about, uh, you know, who's seen the different hats in the different countries. Um, you know, it would be it would be extremely interesting to see that. And I've done my fair share of research, but yeah, I don't think we've gotten really specific with um, you know saw saw fedora uh, you know fedora wearing a shadow in New York. Saw you know the one with the archer hat in the UK. I don't think anybody's really put that together, but that would be a uh, an extremely interesting study to do so, uh, for sure. So Victoria asks, would a Native American shadow uh, hat person wear, wear a Native American headdress? Uh, again, a very very good question, and I have I have not had a story of a. Uh, a Native American shadow wearing the headdress. Now, I've had you know, stories related to me of you know, seeing a, uh, you know, a Native American apparition wearing the headdress um, or in a lot of different variations, uh, you know, being a Native American. And what's interesting, though, about that is uh, Native Americans do have, or at least a, a number of different tribes, each of them, again, have, have their own you know, backstory and legends and lore and all that. 
Um, but I specifically mentioned in A Walk in the Shadows, and there are a number of different uh, tribes around the country that believe this, that uh, the, the human soul has multiple parts. And uh, one is one shadow, and they're both shadows, actually. One goes to the land of the ghosts, uh, and the other stays here as a shadow and walks the earth. So that would be, you know, your, your shadow entity. And so when they would see, you know, this type of phenomenon, you know, there it is. There, there's your, there's your shadow person. So yeah, uh, shadow entities are steeped in Native American folklore as they are in many other cultures folklore. Uh, but yeah, they don't ever really talk of, or at least I haven't seen or have reported to me yet of them seeing the shadow with the headdress. But um, yeah, these are some good questions. I'm definitely going to keep out on the look uh, lookout for that one. Um, maybe even start asking around and start digging through some of my different resources on, uh, on if anybody's seen that, because that would be very uh, interesting to, to discover. So um, let's see... Victoria Monday, serious question. Are shadow entities always male? No female ones. Um, you know, <laughs> I actually do really quickly mention that uh, one time in A Walk in the Shadows uh, when I talk about uh, using the term the hat man. I say, or, you know, is it the hat woman? Because who says they can't be female? You know, we know that uh, some shadow entities, some, some shadow phenomena are actually female that, you know, and this is usually when it's uh, you know, a, a human spirit. Yeah, Tom McNicholas down there in the chat, he was with me with the, uh, with the little girl that morphed out of the rolling black smoke. He didn't actually see the black smoke, but he remembers seeing the little girl. Uh, definitely, definitely very feminine. She was probably about nine years old, but she actually came out of rolling black smoke and boom, there she is a little girl. Um, our good friend, Rob Gutro, who writes the pets in the afterlight series and some other, uh, books on, uh, supernatural phenomenon in, in psychic medium. Uh, he talks about his aunt who came to visit him after he had passed because, uh, she was trying to get a message to her sister, Rob's mother. And she was just very closed off. Well, she ended up appearing to Rob after traveling some distance, apparently, and didn't have enough energy to manifest as an apparition, so she was only able to come off as a shadow. So some of these shadows are actually female. They're the human spirit ones. So, yeah, it does lead one to believe that some of these shadow entities, even with the hats, could possibly be female, that they're not all male. Uh, you don't really hear people say the hat woman or the woman with the hat. Everybody refers to it as the hat man or like Sam Baltrusis will say the man with the hat. Uh, so that's, that's the terminology that we've given it. But yeah, it would not surprise me whatsoever if, uh, if, if some of these are actually female or you know, if it's some sort of interdimensional being that's not human you know, you know, are there genders there? Are there male and female genders with some of these other interdimensional beings? Possibly. We don't really know enough about them yet, I don't believe, to know whether or not they have 
uh, male and female counterparts. So uh, in Victoria, I've seen rolling black smoke that changed into a person, scared the daylights out of me. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting for us. Um, you know, it was really interesting because it was just a little girl. You know, we were more like, oh, come here, come closer, come closer. And there was the story up there. This was at Mineral Springs Hotel in Alton, Illinois. There was the story up there in the one room that there was a, a little girl uh, who was um, always frequented the one hotel room up there. And we actually saw her you know, coming down that hallway, and she stopped right at that doorway to the room in which everybody had said that they had seen her. So uh, it was truly fascinating. So, um, And then Sarah Jane asks, in your opinion, are female shadows seem less scary, threatening? Is there a particular energy uh, witnesses tend to report? So so this is where, uh, you know, shadow phenomenon gets, um, this is where there's, I guess, conflict in the community because there are a number of people out there who will, who will say that, uh, you know, all uh, shadow entities are evil, that they're the darkest of the dark and, and all of that. Uh, and I, of course, wholeheartedly disagree because I've interacted with, I don't know how many shadows at this point, and none of them really seemed evil. Even that one that like took me by the wrists and crossed my arms um, you know, we, I'm not going to get into all of that. I've talked about it a, a number of other times, uh, but that one wasn't necessarily evil. Um, there's, there's a lot of ideas now that it, it may have thought that I was dead and was putting me into a, a burial pose. Others that I've seen and many others have seen, you know, just shadows darting down the hallway, you know, even the ones, you know, like standing in your bedroom, well, what's it doing? It's just watching them and observing, not necessarily doing anything evil or nefarious. Uh, would a female shadow entity have better energy than, say, a male one? I, I think it's all dependent upon the particular shadow. So, what are their what are their motives? You know, there are certainly you know evil women in the woman in the world, just like there are uh, good women in the world. So, same with same with men, good ones and bad ones. Same with shadow people, good ones and bad ones. So, it's all dependent on the motives of the spirit. And I think a lot of times we misunderstand what these shadow entities are doing. Now, we wake up in the middle of the night and we see somebody, somebody standing into our, in our room or coming into the room, we're naturally going to be scared or frightened of that because, you know, we're, we're seemingly defenseless at the time. We're laying in bed, lying in bed. We are uh, half asleep or have just woken up, uh, you know, and this thing... That's there. It's an intruder. You know, we did not invite it into the house. It appeared. Uh, you know, usually, I won't say usually, but many times it's the middle of the night. So what do we automatically think? Somebody's broken into the house. So naturally, our first instinct is fright. You know, it could even be fight. I, I've heard stories about that of, of people, you know, trying to, to fight off these, uh, these shadow entities. They, even one where a guy woke up in the middle of the night saw the shadow in the corner, kept threatening the shadow, uh, and the, the shadow did not move. The guy reached into his nightstand drawer, got out his gun, and shot at the shadow entity. Turned on the light, shadow was gone, and there's a hole in the wall. <laughs> so um, I think that's just kind of our natural instinct. But um, So setting in that case matters, I think more for our interpretation of what's going on, not necessarily what's actually happening. Um, 
a, an account that I tell in the book of uh, a group of girls uh, in which at their, at their house that they had lived in when they were growing up, there was a, uh, a hat-wearing shadow that would come into the room quite often. It would always stop at the foot of the one girl's bed and would just stand there and look at her. And the other two girls were on the other side of the room basically watching this happen. And, of course, they were very frightened at first, but it started happening so much and that the hat person didn't ever do anything other than stand there that they kind of got used to it. They ended up moving out of the house, and the hat person did not follow. So leads one to believe that the this hat-wearing entity is still there at that original house, but they kind of just grew accustomed to it, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so let me see if you guys have any other questions down here at the moment. And you have some different stories going on. Interesting. Uh, and Tom McNicholas, during investigations, you're looking for proof. Why run from it? Yeah, and that's for paranormal investigators. That's certainly a thing. That's something that you're actually there for. You're actually looking for this act, this activity. Uh, you know, you're trying to you know document and get evidence and trying to figure out what's going on at that location. Now, there are, there are plenty of paranormal investigators that run in that situation, um, but many others that don't. And that was kind of the the thing with us that night. So another interesting aspect uh, about these entities um, is sometimes they come in threes. And a, a number of times the, uh, there will be one man with the hat flanked by a couple of regular humanoid uh, figures that are not wearing hats. And... You know, that makes us wonder, okay, is there a certain hierarchy? Is he a leader of some sort of gang? You know, who are these uh, entities? What are they doing there? Uh, you know, kind of teaming up. And, you know, is the hat a symbol of some sort of leadership? This particular photo that I'm showing here, you see the hat looks like probably the trench coat that goes along with it. And the other two guys are just, you know, regular you know, regular shadow figures. Um, you know, Sam, uh, Sam Baltrusis also talks about one with red glowing eyes that he saw. Uh, and this was in a store in Salem, Massachusetts. And when he saw it, it had the red glowing eyes. So there's some other attributes here to these things coming in, you know, with, with multiple people having the red glowing eyes, uh, we'll get into a story here where there is a, a smell of sulfur as well. So, you know, what do these different attributes mean? Um, you know, the the idea of the hat being a symbol of some sort of hierarchy, that he's, you know, the leader of some little group, and that could have something to do with it as well. You know, we don't know, you know, if, if they're interdimensional, if they're extraterrestrial, what their kind of rank and file structure might be. So, you know, giving what we know about our own human tendencies, well, sure, that, that seems to make sense. Uh, the, the red glowing eyes, this aspect of it, well, a lot of people automatically, you know, assume red glowing eyes must be evil, must be some sort of demon. And yeah, by most accounts, 
the glowing eyes like that are are not a good thing. Uh, you know, I've I've heard an occasional account in which they have red glowing eyes and they just stand there and stare. Most other times they're up to something no good. So that one with with Sam and it's featured in in the shadow dimension. So uh, for those that are watching, you're actually getting a glimpse of a, a screen cap from the shadow dimension series that'll be coming out here. Um, you know, with, with his particular story, it actually didn't do anything nefarious other than he ended up seeing this thing. He was, what was interesting about his story is that he was actually witnessing a lot of activity going on at a hotel in the middle of the night that he was a night auditor for. And as he was following this activity around the hotel and then eventually outside is where it led him. And then he saw this through a window of a store that was closed for the evening. Uh, this thing spoke with him telepathically. Of course, that's, that's a question that's been popping up a lot lately. You know, do these things have voices? Well, with the physicality of a shadow entity, well, they don't have a mouth. They don't have a voice box. So how could they possibly speak? Well, through some sort of thought transference. And his interaction, Sam's interaction with this thing was just, do you see me? And the response was, yes, I see you. And they were basically just saying this to each other. So there wasn't anything nasty or nefarious that happened in this moment. What's interesting with Sam is that uh, when he goes back to Salem, there's some sort of interaction with this, and he will, again, encounter this. And then also, when he talks about the story, there's all of a sudden technical problems, either on his end or on uh, we've had him on the live stream show and all of a sudden the the feed cut out when I interviewed him for uh, this interview on this particular hat person uh, we also twice had technical problems so you know very very bizarre that you know, he has seemingly made some sort of connection with this thing uh, so Carrie saying, uh, but wasn't Sam answering a giant sound? They had to go check out the hotel, lead him go outside. Uh, yeah, with Sam, that's kind of what was going on. So it started off as a uh, black shadow mass in the hotel, which basically like took a hotel or took a elevator ride down into the bottom of the hotel, the lower level. And so he was, uh, you know, checking out the basement to see if there was some sort of intruder or anything like that. And while he was down in the basement, he started hearing this banging from outside, like somebody was trying to break into the hotel from outside. So he went outside to go check that. And that's when he saw this, this shadow person, uh, this hat-wearing uh, shadow entity in that store. So it is a really interesting story. Uh, could uh, Shadowman be a tape of Harbinger? You know, uh, some people have, have speculated that, you know, could they possibly be a harbinger of death? Well, uh, I have, well, I have a little bit of a, I'm on the fence about that. I guess I'll say that. I mean, could some of them possibly be, maybe, I've, I've seen enough in my time that, well, I haven't had anything nasty happen to me, at least too nasty that, you know, um, you know, I've I've had some fairly good luck, uh, so I think I think it's a bit mixed. So people will ask, okay, is uh, you know what about the uh, the Grim Reaper? 
who's you know the one everybody always thinks of and that's actually not a shadow person it's just he's a psychopomp you know somebody that ferries a uh, a soul across to uh, the other side you know it's his job really he's not a shadow person uh i i do have again another story in a walk in the shadows where there was a woman who did think that a shadow entity that she was witnessing this was actually a hooded figure was a harbinger to her son that she thought he was going to uh pass away he was a, a very sick little boy kept having a lot of health issues and she kept seeing this hooded figure go into his room so she was thinking it's coming to take him you know there it is this time it's coming to take him well they ended up uh one of his doctor appointments they kept running the same series of tests over and over and off the top of my head i don't recall the illness it's you know, it was some very long term that I, I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, and so they were continuing to test for this test for this test for the same tests all the time. And there was no change in prognosis. Well, during this one particular doctor's appointment, as he's ordering up the same tests again, he suddenly stopped and turned his head. She says, as if somebody was whispering in his ear. And she says she didn't see the shadow entity at that point. But she saw the doctor respond as if somebody was whispering in his, in his ear. And then he turned back to them and, and ordered up different tests. And they discovered that the boy's illness was actually something else entirely. They were able to treat it, and he was fine. And she never saw the hooded shadow figure again. So she thinks that this hooded figure was coming in, checking on the boy, making sure that he was okay, deducing what was really wrong with him, and then told the doctor. So... Um, so, yeah, that was one in which she thought it was a harbinger, but then ended up thinking it was some sort of benevolent spirit. So it's kind of interesting. So another thing that these could possibly be, so I want to go back to this photo of the three, uh, the three entities, but imagine the three of these are actually wearing hats, all three of them. And this is a story that is related in Albert K. Bender's Flying Saucers and the Three Men. Now, this is typically seen as an extraterrestrial story. Actually, actually it's a men in black story. Uh, when his story was first accounted for back in 1956, it was in a book by Gray Barker. And this was told as a, uh, as a men in black story. So Albert K. Bender in 1952 had created a uh, uh, a flying saucer organization. 1952 was the year of the quote-unquote big UFO flap, where people were seeing UFOs all over the place. There was a lot of UFO-type activity. And he created this organization with a quarterly newsletter to keep track of, of all this and to bring people together with their reports. Well, in 1953, he had this encounter that basically scared him off the whole thing for a long time. And this is where the idea, well, there's several, but this is one of the ideas of where men in black come from because he reported three men, shadowy men, in the fedoras, in the trench coats, showing up in his living room. He was working late one night, had fallen asleep on the couch, they walk in, he said, materialize through the wall. 
and they basically told him to stop. There was a sm- uh, he said there was a smell of sulfur around them as well. And then they went up into his attic and disappeared. Uh, and so this became one of the original Men in Black stories that Gray Barker uh, wrote about in his book. And then Albert K. Albert K. Bender came out with this book, Flying Saucers and the Three Men, to tell the whole story of what had happened to him. This came out in 1962, so it was like 10 years later from the original event, or nine years later from the original event. And what he surmised that they were, because of the message that they that they gave about, you know, stop this research that you're doing, he believed that they were actually extraterrestrials, that they were some of the some of the uh, entities, some of the beings from the flying saucers that were, you know, coming down and telling them, stop this research. We don't want you divulging any information about us you know, through your organization. And uh, again, he stopped. So, you know, are some of these shadow entities actually extraterrestrials? Now, when I first heard of his account. I was actually I was doing research for a, a Men in Black video that I was doing because there are there are a number of different accounts and you know some of them are you know, guys from a shadowy part of our government. I know some people will kind of uh, poke fun that I was a Man in Black because I spent a little time at NSA and there were on occasion. This is when I was in the Air Force. On occasion, I would have to dress up in a suit and you know go to a you know secret installation kind of hidden in place and you know and and do some things there so um so there are you know those type of men in black that are actually part of our government uh but these in his description to me sounded a lot like because they were shadowy in nature they're wearing the fedora they got the suits and they had glowing eyes Kind of sounds like what Sam had experienced. And also in Bender's account, they used telepathy. They used thought transference. It was all through the mind. They didn't actually speak in a voice. Again, it's a lot like the account we heard from Sam and from many others uh, that report these things. Uh, a lot of people, when they say that they hear these things talk, it's not an actual voice they're using. It is thought transference or telepathy. So, when I first heard this story about it, it was like, this is not a Men in Black story. This is a shadow person story. This is one of these, you know, you know, men wearing the hats. This is, you know, one of these hat wearing shadow entities. So, you know, they could still, I mean, he could still be right. They still could be some sort of extraterrestrial. Now, I still think that in a lot of cases are interdimensional beings, but... These extraterrestrials could be traveling through some sort of interdimensional means. I mean, you're talking about, um, you know, civilizations and cultures across the universe that have been around you know, probably millions of years longer than we have. You know, the, the universe has been around almost 14 billion years. We've only been around for four and a half. So you're talking like another nine billion years uh, of time there for other civilizations to grow up and develop technology uh, and, and, you know, come to us somehow. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a ship. You know, all this, all the, all these things that you've been seeing in sci-fi lately about, uh, you know, traveling through wormholes. Well, 
there are probably many, uh, you know, many life forms out there across the universe that already do know how to do that. So could this be some of them coming here to Earth using that technology? And I think what happens in a lot of cases is that um, you know something to do with that energy transference as they're uh, coming into our world. And I think this could even be true of you know if there you know are time travelers that you know there could be something with that particular technology, or even if it's something with you know consciousness that it doesn't fully come off as you know a solid being or with all the details you know kind of like what we were talking about with um you know with some of these you know human spirits that appear as shadows they sometimes they can't fully manifest and they only come off as a shadow so does that also happen when some sort of being travels interdimensionally uh, there are a, a lot of similarities between you look at you know alien ab abduction accounts and then you look at a lot of stories of uh, of people's experience with shadow entities. And you see a lot of the like sleep paralysis and they're unable to move and they wake up in the middle of the night and I mean, it's kind of the same account. You, they wake up in the middle of the night, somebody sees a shadow person, somebody else sees an extraterrestrial. You know, it's, it's kind of the same story and you know, they're unable to move and this thing or the other thing happens and it's very, very similar accounts. It's just a different type of person inserted into the story. So um, let me check. Um, Nicole Grow, my dad was stationed at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. He swears he never saw aliens. Yeah, um, Wright-Pat wouldn't have been the place for aliens. Uh, right, but Wright-Pat did have uh, the, the weather balloon that was uh, shipped up from Roswell. So uh, where was I stationed at? I was stationed at, well, three years at Elmendorf Air Force Base and three years at Fort G. Meade, Maryland. And Fort Meade is where NSA is. Uh, all right. Just kind of scrolling through here to see if I can get questions from you to answer. Okay. Uh, Tom McNicholas, are color orbs connected to shadow entities? Um, Good question. So, I, I not in the sense that an orb would manifest into a shadow or something like that, but I've been in locations which have had both activity going on, in which there's there have been the colored orbs and there have been the shadow entities. Goldenrod Showboat is um, a, a perfect example, where in that one passageway. We would frequently see shadows. Um, that that area was always very dark and heavy. But um, you know, through there, sometimes there would be uh, little balls of light. The balcony right there, uh, that the passageway went was off of. Uh, a lot of times, there would be glowing balls of light up there. So, you know, connected perhaps. Maybe they know of each other. Not necessarily that one becomes the other or anything like that. But I think I think what happens is that there are some places in the world that have a uh, you know an energy about them that you know attract this type of activity that allows these things to manifest or be seen a little bit easier. So in that particular location, right on the water, you got the limestone bluffs. Uh, you know, and you know that's a a part of the country 
in which there was a lot of the mound building Cahokias right down uh, the river, a few miles. Uh, but, you know, it's it's been known for an area having to lure current going through it or part of the, uh, you know, Earth's energy grid. And so I, th I think some of these locations um, are able to manifest this stuff uh, a little bit more because of that energy that's there. And it's, you know, it's what our... our ancient civilizations uh, were very accustomed to tapping into. They knew that energy was there. So they would build their ancient sites of power and their temples or their, their hinges and things like that there to be able to tap into that power for you know, either uh, entering altered states of consciousness or healing powers or something like that. But these other entities you know, across our universe, even interdimensionally, are attracted to it because it's something that they can harness and use whether it's to travel or do do other things as well. So, um, all right. So, thinner veil kind of thing. I wouldn't necessarily call it thinner veil, as it is. Um, you know, a, I would liken it more to a high-powered node of energy, and then you get that you know, almost like a, a place where you could, you know, stick a power plant because it has that energy there to tap, to tap into and harness. Uh, so like, you know, the pyramids are built on one of these, uh, Stonehenge, you know, places like that. Uh, and, you know, these currents are all over the world and, you know, you know, they're stretching long distances. A lot of times we don't know that they're there unless we specifically go looking for them. But that's kind of like where the ley lines come in. If, if you... Uh, start noticing that, well, you know, there's a temple here, there's a church there, there's a, a mound here. You know, oh, hey, they all line up. Well, that there's your ley line. So that you can basically just kind of draw a line in anywhere along that you'd be able to tap into it. Now, where they're more powerful is when they actually cross. So, um, and that's, uh, yep, kind of a follow-up question. There have been more reports of uh, shadow people on the ley lines. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. And that's it's, it's basically because of that energy there. There's more energy there for them to manifest um, and either be seen or, you know, to purposely, you know, travel through. Uh, it is just a more energetic part of the world to be able to, to do that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> total mind meld, ley lines. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So... That's kind of the idea there of aliens or even wormholes. Uh, you know, this is, you know, is this the way that they are traveling here? And that's when we get deeper into topics with the connected universe. Uh, and, and those of you that are uh, here for the live stream or are all signed up for the connected universe portal, connecteduniverseportal.com, uh, you know, we're going to be getting more into the inner workings of the universe and how entities like this may be traveling uh, to us via the wormholes, whether they're, uh, you know, if they're aliens or extraterrestrials. And they may not look like, you know, these, these little green men. Although, you know, people commonly uh, you know, report seeing the grays, and that's another question there. Are some of these shadow entities that we're seeing, are they actually the grays and in one particular moment we're actually just seeing them as a shadow kind of almost the same principle here you know if they're traveling here through 
some sort of wormhole or portal or what have you, and as they're making that trek here, are we only seeing them as a shadow at first until they fully materialize? Some people report seeing a shimmer uh, as well instead of a, a shadow. There's, they seem kind of like uh, a shimmerer type person. So is this the same type of thing, just in a different state of being? Uh, is is that, you know, is the shadow part of it just, you know, one state of being, the shimmer's another, the apparition's another, they're all the same thing perhaps, but they're in a uh, different state of being based on whether the, it's the environment or how they're traveling to us or a number of other different means. Uh, well, and that's a that's a fair enough question. Uh, why would the grays typically show up naked and, and bare at all, but as shadows they are clothed? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Again, a lot of the shadows that we see don't necessarily have clothing. There are the ones that, that you know, our primary focus for this evening on the ones that wear the hats and, and have the clothes, but a number of them don't really appear to have clothes one way or the other. Uh, most of them that I have seen don't, or you really can't tell if they're having clothes uh, or if they're wearing clothes. So like that first one that showed up in my room, it just looked like the outline of a body, didn't necessarily see clothes or you know the outline of clothes. Of course, I was frightened out of my mind at the time, so <laughs> you know, was I really being that observant? But you know, another one that I saw when I was a teenager, uh, we, when we moved to Ohio, and I kept seeing this person standing in my doorway. It's very translucent, but you know, he had a he had a darkness to him, no details or anything like that. Um, just kind of that that outline of a person didn't really see any clothing. Others that I've seen are just like so fast, they're all wisp and just, you know, darting across the room or darting down the hall, and there's really no clothing to see there whatsoever. So, yeah, they're not always they're not always wearing clothing. The big question is why are, of course, some of them wearing clothing, which we talked a little bit about earlier. Um, Sarah Yusuf, could shadow entities be spirit guides that have not been introduced? Good question. I I do believe that some of them. Uh, I mean, that could be okay. Shadow guides. Another another idea is you know could they be astral projections? So you know some of these other aspects of uh, of the spiritual realm they could be. You know they could be they could be ourselves. You know they could be um, you know light beings. Um, you know, Nicole and I have had discussions on this, and I've included that as as another. Uh, you know, new part to the second edition of A Walk in the Shadows, both of these, astral projections and light beings, you know, other uh, other type of spiritual phenomena that, you know, like with the light beings, you know, okay, somebody's, here's the example, somebody's passing away, they're in the hospital, and people walk in, and they've seen sometimes, you know, one of two different types of scenarios. The, the person lying in the hospital bed is either once surrounded by light beams, or number two, surrounded by shadows. And so does that mean the one surrounded by the light beams is going to heaven and the one surrounded by the shadows is going to hell? Um, not necessarily. So the one that's actually surrounded by shadows, I mean, I don't necessarily believe in just a straight-up heaven or hell type of a situation anyway, even though I grew up Catholic, which is very heaven-hell-centric, right? <laughs> um, but the idea that, you know, 
okay, stare at a light bulb long enough, right? Okay, you have a light source, but stare at it long enough, what do you start seeing with the light bulb? It basically becomes this silhouette, right? And you're basically seeing a shadow. So are some of these light beams so bright when you walk into the room that all you're seeing is, you know, the silhouette of the entity? That's not really a shadow that you're seeing. You're just basically seeing the form of the beam that's creating all this light, and it's so bright that your eyes just they're not receiving that wavelength of light. And all that's left is the form of the light beam. Uh, with the astral projection, uh, the idea that, you know, you could be astral projecting into somebody's room to, you know, maybe um, you have a loved one many, many miles from you, you can't visit, and the only way to do that, if you know how to do it, is to astral project. Well, if you do that, say, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night, they're already in bed asleep, and you show up in the room and they wake up and they look in your direction, you know, what if when they're looking at you, they see this outline of a person or some sort of, you know, transparent like shadow form? They could be. So some of these things that we think are shadow people may be a different type of form of spirit. So the question, could some of them actually be your spirit guides that you're actually seeing? That very well could possibly be. So, um, Carrie, were you actually behind the gate at Helltown? Um, which gate are you, you referring to? Oh, and yeah, Tom McNicholas, the shadow I saw in Helltown was hidden by the tree. I saw a leg and a torso. That's right. When uh, Tom and Nick uh, came out this way and I gave them the tour of Helltown, uh, Tom saw a shadow out there. Uh, in the trees, and that one, you know, very well could just be the you know, the human spirit of a former resident. So, you know, a lot of people talk about you know, all this crazy stuff that's supposed to happen at Helltown. Most of it, most of it is just urban legend. Um, you know, but before they tore those houses down, you know, some of them were actually haunted. The, the town had been there a long, long time. And so are some of those human spirits still lingering amongst the trees a little bit? Perhaps. You know, is, is that what Tom saw? You know, one of those one of those human spirits still kind of, you know, lingering around out there? Yeah, possibly. Um, and, um, okay, the gate by the road, it was closed. Oh, you can go past that. It's, it's closed to, it's closed to cars. It's closed to traffic, but you can walk down there. It's, it's a, a national park, so you can walk down, um, you know, it actually turns into a trail that goes to the Brandywine Ski Resort. Um, people have, uh, do horseback riding uh, along that road as well. So, yeah, you can go past that, you know, walking uh, or, you know, I guess maybe ride a bike or, like I said, the horses. But you just can't drive past that with a car. So, um, very, very cool place if you can get out there. So, um and Carrie, you're, I mean, you're in the state, so I uh, should make a trip up there one of these days. And uh, I know Tom wants to come back and, and do a little bit more there, so we'll definitely have to do that soon. So, all right, well, we are pretty close to our hour mark here. Uh, we'll see if there are any last questions here uh, that I can answer real quick. This hour went by quick, and I really appreciate the, the questions and the conversation uh, about this phenomenon. Oh, uh, Sir Yusuf, could shadow entities be beings that inadvertently pass through vortices? Uh, yeah, they very well could be. 
you know, that's that's also a, another idea. Of course, if they're traveling through these things anyway, um, you know, from you know, somewhere else in the universe, sure. Or are they possibly uh, accidentally stepping into a, uh, a, a vortice? Well, is a vortice spawning off a portal that they're accidentally stepping into here? Very possibly. And when we get into the the shadow dimension, that docuseries, uh, I'm at uh, the Conjuring House for uh, a good part of that. And if you guys have ever heard the story from Carl Johnson of how he saw the black smoke upstairs, um, Andrea Perrin, who lived there for 10 years, also saw that there. And I caught something very interesting uh, on film up there, experienced something there myself right in that area. So there's all this stuff going on there. Directly below that uh, is where Andrea and her mother experienced a time slip years ago. It's also in that area directly below is where the seance that went wrong uh, at the parents' house. You know, it, it was not a, uh, a possession like they showed on the Conjuring movie. Basically, it was a seance that went wrong. And during this seance, something did take a hold of Carolyn and threw her back from what had been the dining room at the time into the parlor. Well, that's right above that is where all that smoke and everything was, you know, kept being seen where the people have experienced all kinds of crazy phenomenon. So you almost have like this pillar up and down. And Andrea always calls it this portal cleverly disguised as a farmhouse. So, you know, are these things passing in and out unknowingly? Yeah, that that can certainly happen. That that unknown, unbeknownst to people that are actually there on this node of energy, uh, um, or that vortex energy welling up out of the ground, and something happens to them where they inadvertently travel to sometimes another, just another point in time, and that's where we talk about those time slips. So, yeah, too many teasers, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I do keep teasing about. It. I'm really, I'm really happy with the way that the Shadow Dimension is uh, is turning out, and I'm I'm glad there was a really good reception to the trailer uh, that was released the other day. So, all right, so that's gonna do it, guys. Really do appreciate you uh, joining me this evening, and uh, we look forward to next week here on Beyond the Shadows. And uh, for those of those listening to uh, the podcast later you can find that connected universe portal.com and um yeah we'll we'll uh keep exploring the connected universe so till next time everybody hope you enjoyed uh shadow entities <laughs> have a good night